0: This is Headshots, a mind-blowing exploration of gaming and psychology with your hosts Josue Cardona, an engineer turned mental health and ed tech guru and psychologist and game scholar, Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Hey listeners, sway here. Kelly is not here this week, but with me is my very good friend Ali Matu. Dr. Matu, introduce yourself, please.
1: Hey everyone, I am Ali Matu, clinical psychologist uh, during the day and in the evenings. I am the science fiction psychologist at Brain Knows Better, and I also run a YouTube channel called The Psych Show, which is all about making psychology fun and easy to understand. And I am Ever increasingly guest starring on all of the podcasts, Josue Cardona, that you are on. So thank you for bringing me to the the last one I haven't guest starred on. And uh, I'm looking forward to being on Headshots.
0: So this is the fifth Star Trek related episode that we've done in the last two months. Okay, We've
1: really been celebrating the 50th anniversary. We are.
0: Happy 50th Star Trek anniversary, Ali.
1: Happy Fifty years of Star Trek may it continue to live long and prosper into the future.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and again, we like you said, we've been celebrating our own way. Five episodes—that's two on geek therapy, two on psych tech, and and one here. I think we've got a nice collection going.
1: Yeah, we st- we talked about Star Trek Beyond. We talked about Star Trek and technology. We had that awesome uh, panel about psycho or not psychology, but, but about fandom and the evolution of fandom. And now we're going to talk about something that has been on my mind a lot. Okay, okay,
0: good, good. Because uh, that that Star Trek fandom panel was at New York, Star Trek Mission New York, which was a Star Trek convention, which every time I've told somebody that this week, I've noticed it is officially the nerdiest thing I've ever said, and it felt very good. (laughs) Like I've been to comic book conventions, but saying a Star Trek convention just has, there's another layer of nerdiness there.
1: Well, and it's it. also the, it's the original fandom that created the whole idea of conventions. So it's, uh, it's nerdy, and it's also uh, all of these other conventions have, uh, have their historical roots with Star Trek.
0: And the reason we're talking about Star Trek here now on Headshots is because we got to play Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is a VR game. And I got to say, the best VR experience I've had so far. It, it's
1: the same for me. However, I've had a lot less experience than you've had. I, I've only had two, Star Trek VR and a really, really uh, early uh, phase demo of the Oculus Rift. Good. So
0: I, I love this because you get to bring, you know, that that, that brand new holy shit, That just ha- this just happened perspective to it, right? <laughs> that uh, it wasn't exactly that, the same for me, but it was still a great experience. So yeah. you probably did one of those demos sitting in a cockpit car, was it? One of those, yeah, a racing it was, game? It was back in
1: 2011, and it, it wasn't even really a racing game as much as it was – um, sitting down uh, in a chair and putting on the Oculus and being in the environment of a uh, racing car. I, I don't think I could even control uh, any direction or any movement, but I could move my head around and experience it. And it it wasn't the best experience. There was uh, a little bit of a lag and a delay in, um, my, in the movements of my head and what was, what I was, uh, seeing in the, um, Oculus Rift, which made me feel a bit dizzy. That gets to that whole, uh, the lag between what you see and what you're experiencing and, um, how that can really mess with your, uh, mess with your senses. And I walked away from that experience really being, pretty down on VR uh, the only other experience I should ha- I, I should mention that I've had related to VR before that was the virtual boy and that doesn't, that doesn't count
0: stop it no that doesn't stop count
1: no. but but that was it those are, it's, it's headshots I want to mention my, my uh, video game cred <laughs> here um, I tried to spend a lot of time playing Virtual boy and I just like burned my retinas so yeah that's that's all I was walking into so I, I was walking into Star Trek bridge crew and not expecting it to be amazing despite how amazing the promotional material had been for this with uh, I think it was LeVar Burton, Carl Urban, Jerry Ryan uh, playing this game. That That video was pretty amazing but even then i wasn't expecting too much from this,
0: so before we get full on into into what it was like, I do want to bring up the concept of presence. Have you heard mm-hmm. this this term being thrown around regarding um, virtual reality?
1: No, you know my my knowledge of virtual reality is is quite. Uh, quite limited because I've been, because my experience with it early on was so negative. Um, yeah. And I, I haven't really looked into this issue so much. So w- what is
0: presence? So in the VR sense, it is that feeling of being inside that virtual world, right? It is where mm. there's a moment where you don't even realize it. You believe that even this blocky thing that doesn't look real at all is surrounding you. That that cliff that you're looking over is actually a cliff and not just a floor in your living room or on a convention floor right sure. and and so the term i mean in psychology, people talk about being present and in the moment, you know having a awareness
1: and mindfulness
0: mindfulness exactly it's the same concept, but it's a, it's become a buzzword in v r because yeah the goal has been to help people achieve a sense of presence. And so it sounds like that was not the case for you when you had your first demo four or five years ago.
1: No, not at all. So part of it was a lag, and the other part of it was uh, I I didn't really have any any control in the environment. Um, No agency, yeah. No, I didn't have any agency. It was it, it just very much felt like a tech demo to uh, technology that wasn't quite ready for prime time yet. Uh, but, but this idea of presence is is an interesting one to me because it it speaks to uh, not only agency, but um, I'm, I'm thinking about the expansiveness of the environment, um, being able to um, move your body, and have a corresponding movement in the environment and not necessarily having any gaps in your vision. So w- this gets back to Star Trek and the idea of the holodeck. Uh, there's been a few Star Trek episodes where people realized that they were actually in a holodeck and not in the real environment because of uh, malfunctions in the presence. So you might see the holodeck holodeck grid uh, blinking off far off into the distance, which sort of gives away the illusion of the environment. So I think what you're describing here does link to what we've seen in Star Trek as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're, we're moving towards... Um, actually, this episode, I decided to call it One Step Closer to the Holodeck, right? <laughs> and, and because I really think, uh, even though I've talked a lot about um, virtual reality in the past year, and... A lot of people are playing it right now, but it's, you know, realistically, I don't think that it's even. Maybe it's at a million people in the world who have a consumer grade VR set, and that's which is including not
1: a lot. No, at all.
0: no, and that's including um, the Samsung Gear VR, yeah. you know, which is.
1: That's not... the unit that works off of your smartphone.
0: Yeah, off of an Android phone, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not really counting cardboard because a lot of people have tried cardboard, but I wouldn't say that anybody who has cardboard is a VR user, you know?
1: No, I mean, the car- I I tried cardboard and I, I thought it was actually a pretty cool way to um, get this experience into the masses, but the, it has similar problems as, as to what I experienced the first time I tried the Oculus. It uh, It's the resolution and the lag is just impairs on that whole idea of the, the presence. Plus you have to hold it against your face. You know, you have to hold it like a view master. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, Yeah. yeah, But it's kind of cool for what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't count that as VR, right. Even actually even something like um, you can't talk about new technology without talking about porn, you know, VR porn is a thing. And, Probably most people who have ever used it are using something like Google Cardboard, you know, mm. to try it out or just doing kind of like 360 video type stuff. So actual consumer grade um, VR headsets right now, again, not that much. I think in less than a month when the PlayStation VR comes out, it'll that number might maybe double before the end of the year. That'll sure. make a big difference because it's a lot more affordable, and there'll be actual VR experiences, including Bridge Crew, which is coming to, to the PlayStation VR. So, so it's one of those things where it's it's interesting to talk about, and and a lot of people are sharing their experiences, and and I think where this for me was kind of a next step uh, in what VR is or, or the potential that it has. So, uh, and oh, and we'll
1: ahead. we'll talk about the game in a moment. It. <laughs> one of the things that it, it it did make me reevaluate are some of my thoughts on vr and uh, my day job is a clinical psychologist and specifically I, I work with anxiety disorders so the main treatment there is exposure therapy where we help people to face the situation they're avoiding with uh, in small degrees and then increasingly getting closer and closer to the actual thing that they fear Some situations are very, very hard to recreate as exposures in my office. Uh, One of them is air travel and helping people who have a fear related to air travel, whether it's because they have panic disorder or whether they have a fear of heights. Uh, It's just really expensive to do those kind of exposures, to buy, take it on the plane and to really pinpoint certain experiences. But VR holds the promise of helping people recreate these experiences in the safety of an office. And while the army the military has been uh, applying this a lot to treat post-traumatic stress, it hasn't necessarily been in the hands of a wide variety of clinicians. It's been cost prohibitive. The experience we had with Bridge Crew made me really reevaluate some of my ideas about um, treating Different disorders, and it makes me reevaluate a lot of ideas about training and getting people certain type of experiences. So, Josue, it was a real eye-opening experience for me.
0: Welcome to my world. <laughs> this is this is all I think about. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's go through the tech that was there uh, right sure. after. Um We were, it was running off of a laptop. I mean, these were nice, like expensive laptops, but. You know portability, right? Um, so you could move it around, Those right? It wasn't thick,
1: thick laptops. But they were they were
0: pretty big. They were beefy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, they like, were. You running... don't want
1: to put these on your backpack in your backpack and carry it around. No, you need a roller case, <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and we were on the latest, um, you know, the the consumer uh, available Oculus Rift, and we got to use the Oculus Touch controllers, which as of this recording and the moment when we played, they're not actually available um, to Mm. buy yet. So nobody... And this is part of the presence thing that I'm talking about um, because I think it made a huge difference for us to have those controllers. Oh, absolutely. And even though the HTC Vive has motion controllers right now, the, the Oculus doesn't. So we got to play with the Oculus Touch controllers. And...
1: I think you got to mention the lay of the land here too. This yeah, was in yeah. the this was in the exhibit hall over the, at the uh New York City Javits Center. Uh, but it was in this like alcove inside the exhibit hall. Uh it was a circular region uh kind of like a bridge and there were four different stations uh within that circular region um where you could sit put on the oculus uh but they were networked together so uh, that was really interesting to be able to have um and it was a nice setup like it looked like star trek it looked like (laughs) the modern jj abrams uh bridge setup the the chairs were like these white pristine chairs like they had been taken off the bridge of the enterprise It, it was a they they did a nice job setting this up
0: yeah, yeah, those were, those were expensive chairs, definitely. Um, Swivel <laughs> chairs, kind of wide, really comfortable. But, right, so we're sitting in a circle with our backs to each other, right? So there's yeah. four of us and all facing away from each other. The computers are set up um, and the monitors. So that's the first thing, right? So so really where we're sitting comes into play with uh, later. But it's the fact that it was my first co-op VR experience. Mm. I had never played... You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, how isolating is it gonna be? You know, where people just put this thing on their head and then they they're all alone. And I always argue that it's just like with video games, you can you can talk to your friends, you can play with people, you can have dozens of people playing a game at the same time and and all sharing an experience. This was my first shared VR experience in that we were sharing not only you know, we were not only sharing the the virtual world, but we were sharing the physical space. Yeah. It was it was so cool. It worked perfectly. It was amazing, okay? <laughs> and, and the way they set it up, uh, again, this is a game from Ubisoft. Um, please note it takes place in the Kelvin timeline, which means the J.J. Abrams movies, right?
1: Yep. You're on the right. USS. Um...
0: I forgot what it was called. Aegis, Aegis, yes, yes, yes. It was the Aegis, Aegis, which yeah.
1: is a uh, it, it, yeah. It's in the Kelvin timeline. It looks like a like a variant of the uh, the Enterprise, yep. and um, yeah, it, it it looks great. It, the bridge looks very much like the bridge from um, the 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 new movies. Um, yeah. very much that aesthetic.
0: Yep, and Ubisoft is the is the you know, developer of the game. And they did something pretty awesome, which is that they had three people play at a time plus a Ubisoft employee who played as the captain, right? So each of us have a different role. The Ubisoft employee was the the captain giving orders, and then the three of us had different uh, positions on the bridge. I was engineering. You were? I was tactical. You were tactical. And then we had a, um, a third person who we didn't meet until then, right? He was just uh, someone who signed up just like we did. Who he was the helmsman,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and first of all, how cool was so, it? Well, oh. <laughs> how how excited were you to be engineer? Well, so I I wanted to do tactical, to be honest. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, but but uh, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll take engineering because I had no idea what to expect. Sure. I I just assumed that tactical or helms would be more fun, you know. You'd be doing more. Um, but this is Star Trek. So we all were just messing with screens right in front of us. There wasn't a giant wheel that we were turning. There wasn't a turret that you were shooting from, right? Um, I wasn't running down into uh, the engine room. We were all sitting on, uh, on the bridge, and we each mm-hmm. had our station. Mm-hmm. And so actually right when the game started, this is, this is pretty funny, I, you, you put in your name, right, which appears mm-hmm. like over your head in the game, and then uh, you choose a gender, and then um, your station was already assigned, right? We chose beforehand, mm-hmm. and and we went in. And then when I started, um, right? We got we have our touch controllers, and I'm trying to move my hands, and it didn't work for me. Mm. Um, I'll stop there. What was it like for you to have to kind of see your hands moving as you were in the game, as you were moving them in the in the real world?
1: <laughs> well, I got to say the the moment I put on my helmet, um, we're, we're in this. We're we're on the bridge.
0: No, we're on a shuttle,
1: actually. Oh, we're on the shuttle. That's right. The shuttle's approaching the ship. Which is so
0: cool, which is like one of my favorite parts of the 2009 film when, you know, they're on the shuttle and they're seeing the Enterprise. You know, they're flying around it and they're all looking up. And we got to do that. We were in the shuttle and we got to see um, this kind of scaffolding in space that was holding the aegis and we got to see it. And there was a, a planet like that you could see behind it. And there was a planet behind us and another one in front of us. And you can see them in the distance. So, just from
1: that first moment of putting on the helmet and being on that shuttle, I was blown away. Um, The lack of a lag, how fast and how seamless everything worked and looked. Uh, I I was so afraid of feeling dizzy, feeling uneasy, and I didn't experience that at all. So, I, I was. I was quite shocked, and then when we do uh up here on the bridge and I look down and i I noticed that my hands were my hands were crossed, but <laughs> they weren 't in real life, and it was quite this odd feeling that I was trying to move them around and I think one of the activision um employee saw he, yeah the, no. i'm sorry one of the ubisoft employees uh, came over and said oh no no you got the, the motion handles are, they're on the wrong hands so my <laughs> left hand controller was in my right hand so we fixed that and that really helped but that was that was really interesting to me um i could immediately tell that something felt wrong yeah um and so once i got straightened out I had so much fun just looking around that bridge. And then I saw you. Um, it said, "Hosway," And I saw our captain. And I saw our, uh, our helmsman. And everyone was kind of where they should be corresponding to what I know from the movies. And I could have just spent like an hour just there just looking <laughs> around <laughs> the bridge and not even doing anything. Um, I was... Quite literally, awestruck.
0: Yeah. So w- when it started and you you're on that shuttle, it's just so cool, you know. And I think um, I think everybody has this experience at the beginning where you're like, oh, it looks a little blurry. It doesn't look all that great. And then you start moving your head and you feel like you're inside something else. And now you're in a shuttle and you see that the 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 spaceship, uh, you know, the Enterprise is over or the Aegis is over there. And then like the lower resolution stuff just like goes away because there's no latency and, or no perceived latency. So yeah. boom, you have your presence, right? Now you're on a shuttle and you're yeah. moving in space. And even though there we weren't talking at that moment, right? Kind of like, oh, hey, how does it feel? I imagine that you felt like you were on a shuttle flying through space. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you yeah, know? and it, it, that's what I was struck by is, yeah. you know, we don't have haptic feedback, we don't have, um, uh, we're not smelling anything. Where you know, like we're, it's really just restricted to visual input and sound and sound. Yep, but it was it does enough. The trick. It does the trick. It was enough. To get my mind to sort of fill in the blanks a bit, and and to be in that environment, and then once we did get a little bit comfortable, we started looking at each other, and we would raise our hands up and say, "Hey, way, how's it going?" Uh, and we're just saying hi, and it was it was uh, so much fun, and we're getting a a handle of. Uh, how to control our consoles. We went through a little, very short tutorial and training mission, and it was pretty easy to pick up the basic controls.
0: Right, because it's one-to-one movement, so it it felt natural to you then. Yeah. Even the hands yeah. yeah. So my my game glitched out, right? And I had to reset. So while you guys were on the bridge, and you could see me on the bridge at first, I had to um, reset my game, come back in. When I did... It um, didn't take my settings from before where, <laughs> right? So I come back and the captain's like, oh, Jay is back. Cause I, I put Jay down. Uh, Jay's back. And I was like, hey. And I put my hands up and I was like waving them. I was like, woo, yeah, everybody. <laughs> so um, just a, a skip forward a little. When I, when I, we were playing, I was too close inside the game. It was uncomfortable because where I was putting, I was too close to the console. So... It was very uncomfortable to move things around. Now, I've I've done VR before, I know, like I felt pretty comfortable, so I was like, "Well, I need to reset my position in the world so that I'm not um like so close to the console." So I put my head forward, I reset my position, then I pull my head back. And when I do that, I look down to see kind of how far I am. And I realize that I have boobs and I'm wearing <laughs> a dress and I can see like the cut of my of my dress and my legs. And what was so, that like? Well, exactly. So, for a moment, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Right? Because I I had chosen a a male avatar. And then for a a moment, I realized, wait a minute. So, before, when everybody saw me come back, and I was waving my hands in the air and, like, shaking all over the place, they saw a girl. Right? You saw a woman instead of uh, a male avatar. Yeah.
1: yeah, And And I just thought that that's what you had selected.
0: Yeah, yeah. But... but I didn't. <laughs> it was a complete – so I completely changed my my gender in the game, and I had no idea that you guys – like this isn't one of those examples where that really made a difference, you know? Sure. None of you were like, you know, saying any comments or whistling or doing anything, right? Uh, weird. No. We we're all like – we're just three nerds that we can't believe we're on the bridge crew. So, But for me, that part was really weird when I looked down and I was like – so every now and then I kept – looking down because this was an experience I'd never had before, where I was in a, in a female body. Mm-hmm. It was, it didn't take me out of the experience. It kind of, it was just so strange. <laughs> I thought it was cool. I thought it was very cool. So every now and then I'd look down. And I was like, huh. Um, and, and actually afterwards, I remembered that everything that we could see on the screen, everybody could see, everybody who was around could see on monitors mm-hmm. up top. So I wonder how often I was just looking down at my body, and people were like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> um. So
1: uh, I, that was one of my regrets, is I never looked down at myself besides my um, hands. Um, it, I, I'm kind of wondering what that experience would be like just to see yourself. I did yeah. see beforehand, um, you know, part of the fun of this is actually watching people play and seeing some of their reactions beforehand we we saw people uh i I remember seeing one person who was like whoa i just figured out how to look at myself whoa and then they're kind of like waving their hands and everyone looks pretty funny playing vr games (laughs) from um, the outside oh yeah from the outside yeah (laughs) and so that was that was a lot of fun but i never quite did that myself so that's that's one regret i had but it was interesting in game to look at people as They're getting their bearings. You can kind of tell that people are figuring out um, how to work and as they're looking at their hands and you can see people look at their hands and they look down at the cons- console and stuff. But I, I didn't see you check yourself out if that's what you're wondering. Um, I, I was I was more busy trying to f- figure out my own stuff. Um, yeah.
0: And my guess is that you were probably also just too close to the console. So if you look down, you only saw the console because um mm-hmm. just like just like I had uh just like I was set up at the beginning um but then like by now I'm completely there right I know that you I'm on the right side of the of the bridge um mm-hmm. you're in the center I'm in the
1: forward f- uh, yeah center center area yeah.
0: Forward, and the Helmsman is to the left captain is behind us I, if I look over I can see the three of you um I hear the captain I hear everybody's voices in my headset and we are on a ship, right? And he's just giving us instructions and I'm messing around with everything on the console. And for me, it was, it was actually a lot of fun. So the, the engineering role was uh, I had access to all of the power on the ship and then I had to reroute power to shields, engine, and weapon systems. And then I also had to activate the warp core, And I had another smaller screen to the left, which uh, I used to scan and scan for life and use a transporter to beam people up. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of stuff uh, on mine. What was yours like?
1: Um, I was tactical. So I controlled, I could scan, um, I could uh, target weapons, I could fire phasers, I could fire... Um, uh, photon torpedoes, I could raise shields, lower shields. And uh, did you control transporter? Or did I control transporter? I control um, the transporter, you control the transporter, but I control the
0: scanning. Yes, um, and then I for, saw the scanning. So I you couldn't, saw, yeah, I couldn't activate yeah. the, the transporter until the scan was done. This is one of those things that I
1: started to learn as we were playing the game that not only do we have to listen to each other and work with each other, but no one person can independently do everything. Well, I can scan, um, you control the transporter. Yep. So this was so fascinating to me is the controls, the way the gameplay works, it is truly cooperative. Um, it is impossible to proceed on this game on your own. And you know, one of the things that I learned about the game afterwards is, if you don't have four people to play, you can have a uh, you can have a uh, not a bot, but you can an have an AI a, character, yeah. an AI character sort of fill in for the role. But this is how Star Trek works. The thing about Star Trek is not only is this is it this optimistic vision of the future, but it's this idea that we need all of us together to to collaborate to make the starship work and the original vision of Gene Roddenberry was the enterprise is really earth and it represents all of humanity and it's all of humanity working together and I Love that this game stays true to that vision because you, I, I couldn't rescue the people on my own. We all had to work together to to rescue uh, rescue everyone. And so there was also the the helms, um, uh, the the person in, in uh, what is it called? Uh, the helmsman. Yeah. The helmsman. They had to uh, plot courses, engage engines. Uh, my favorite was align the ship. With for the, the warp
0: for the warp for the yep. warp vector yep.
1: uh that was so cool and our our helmsman had a little bit of difficulty a lot he would always uh like shoot over too much or <laughs> yeah. under too much so we're like you got to you got to got to go. Uh, no too much too much go back go back go back go back uh, too much the, that was so much fun to see that and then and the i have no cap- idea
0: what his console looked like
1: Oh, no, neither do I. Yeah. Um, and then you have the captain, and we don't r- really know what the captain has access to. My guess is the captain gets to see a lot of information but can't yeah. do yep. a lot. The, the captain seems to be kind of the role of uh, the dungeon master in Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. like has um, a little bit more of a role in uh, coordinating. And
0: um, Yeah, my understanding is that he had these screens up that could he could see everything, but he couldn't yeah. control anything.
1: Yeah, which is, and but we needed the
0: captain because we can't see everything. Exactly. So, like, for context, you may be able to shoot, but if I didn't um, reroute power to the phasers, then you have nothing to shoot. And exactly. I could reroute them just like the shields, too. You could activate the shield, but how strong they were depended on how much power I, I, I put in there. And, and, the the, 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 and I needed the
1: helmsman mm-hmm. to get us into scanning range. Or yeah. to get us into weapons range. otherwise I, I can't really do much.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he couldn't um, – like I would activate the warp core and then he would get the vector and then he had to line it up. So everything was, was cooperative. I joked with you that maybe using an HTC Vive because of the um, um, physical movement in the, in the space that it allows – Uh, you could kind of run back and forth to each station (laughs) 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 to kind of control everything, but that would be uh, very, very hard. And it was so cool because we had to communicate. We had to... um, The captain was telling us kind of what to do, and then I, I started... I started role-playing like I was on the show. I was like... Oh, totally.
1: And so we should fill people in on what the mission was. So our our mission was a standard rescue mission of a starbase or some ship that had a distress call. So we warp in, which, by the way is amazing so cool
0: Oh, because um so there's this button that allows you to so right we're sitting inside the bridge but if there was a button we could press on the controller that changed our view and turned off essentially everything except yeah. um everything no, everything I, I, well it turned off the ship right so then it was like a, a first person view of space right so while we were warping i pressed that button and everything disappeared and it's and I was just like going through, you know, we were just, oh, it was so cool.
1: <laughs> it was so cool. And so we warp in and we have to uh, scan for life forms, transport the life forms aboard, maneuver within range. We're coordinating, you know, everything looks okay. And then all of a sudden, some Klingons, Klingons show up. Klingons, red alert. <laughs> Shields up. And so we, the captain, had to make some decisions about. Raising shields, uh, trying to continue the scans, lowering the shields to beam people aboard, whether or not to fire—it um, was so cool. It, and we we all went into character. Uh, oh yeah,
0: yeah. And and there was a time. So I, there was even one moment when I didn't, I didn't exactly listen to the captain, <laughs> um, because I knew that I could transport everybody up in just a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, I think it was, or again, maybe maybe I'm confused. Maybe it was you. I think I activated, I think he said, okay, raise shields to you. But instead, I I activated the transporter. It was something like that, <laughs> right? So we kind of blocked each other. And I went against what he was saying because I, I really thought we could do it. And it's so funny because as the, it really is a role-playing game because the yeah. captain, I don't think he can veto anything that we're, that we do, he can only provide guidance and kind of this um, top level view of everything that's going on. So we could just do whatever we want. Like if I wanted to be a dick about it, I could have just, you know, completely messed us up. I could have taken all the power away from the shields, you know, just to, just to see what happens. <laughs>
1: But had you done that, we wouldn't have coordinated um oh, and yeah. things would have worked well. We wouldn't have rescued everyone. And that's that was that was what was so fun. Like as a Klingons approach, I wanted to fire weapons <laughs> so badly. But I couldn't because we were still in the process of of rescuing and yeah. and you had energy diverted towards the transporter. Yep. But at some point, um at some point the captain said gosh what did he say um he he, he said like fire all weapons give them hell tactical yes <laughs> uh, and i was like aye aye captain and it was just, you know just like boom 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 i was just letting it rip and, um, i think uh, when he
0: said that um i think right before he asked me something about like he was like um um power to phasers. And I was like, uh, phasers at maximum. I told him, I remember it was like, you just, it was just so natural, you know, to just do that. Oh, it was so good. I can't stop smiling right now. Re- remember, um, no, Me too. Oh, me too.
1: It felt like, you know, we've all had these dreams of s- serving on the bridge of a starship and, uh, playing out those, those missions. Like when we were talk when we were on the, um, evolution of Star Trek fandom panel, I remember Ed Gross saying um, he grew up playing Star Trek on the streets of Brooklyn and he saved Brooklyn uh, many, many different times from alien attack. And this is what it felt like. It felt like that imagination, that dream was finally coming true. And as that mission ended uh, and we were warping out of there, um, I... Wanted to go on another mission. You know, I just want to explore. I would be so happy just, like, going to some nebula and just scanning stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just hanging out on that starship. Um, that would be so much fun.
0: The So we had a very interesting contrast that we could make, which was that just one or two weeks before, we had gone to an exhibit on the... Uh, intrepid museum at the intrepid museum uh here in new york city and we we were on a real life uh model of the original um the original uh bridge
1: it was uh, enterprise d
0: oh okay okay i'm sorry right it was d and then the that's right it was era. that's right it was tng and we got to do a kobayashi maru yeah on a
1: console the no win situation from wrath of khan and star trek
0: 2009 Yep. (laughs) And uh, it was very similar. Klingons are attacking. Um, You have to scan. You have to um, divert power. You have to bring up um, the, you know, you have to transport um, survivors from another ship in this case and bring them on board. And at the end, we got to see, like, how many people we saved and who died and all sorts of stuff. And, And it was a very similar experience. Also a re, you know, a, a, a virtual version, but uh, we were actually touching a screen and we were in real life that was garbage in comparison to this, okay? <laughs> garbage. Like I actually, I felt like I was transporting these people over because I knew I knew I had the energy, uh, I, I had diverted power over there and I knew that I could see um, the scans coming in and I was able to push this button that engaged it and I had to wait and I'm looking over at you. You know, you are like in the corner of my eye while I'm messing with the transporter uh, mini screen on the left and just feeling like you're there, the... There was like an urgency to it, you know. Like I know it's not real, but I wanted to save them so badly, way more. And I I felt, I thought I felt that way when I did the Kobayashi Maru, because I was so excited to do that. But in comparison, I think again it's that sense of presence. You know, I was wearing jeans when I was at the museum, but here I was a Starfleet officer. You know, and I was on the bridge, and and all of the sounds um, around me, and I wasn't alone, which also makes a difference.
1: The cooperative aspect of this is is really a game changer. Um, it, it, I really think the most exciting games that are going to come out of this are these cooperative experiences. You know, it, it, I can only imagine the the Dungeons and Dragons VR game that's going to come out. That would be amazing, amazing for you to be able to. To bring the characters that you have created in your mind to life in VR and go on these joint adventures with your friends in VR Um, I think that this is really in terms of entertainment it's going to be an incredibly fun social experience to go through Um, I don't have a Playstation 4 I don't have an Xbox One not yet uh, not yet <laughs> well my my most recent systems are uh the Wii U which I bought for Mario Kart solely for Mario Kart and that's really the only game I have on it and I'm very happy with it and I have an Xbox 360 Um uh, and I've got I don't have a PC but I've got a Mac and I've been okay with that um none of those ha- things run VR none no 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 I know I know <laughs> <laughs> but I've been okay with that because um I don't do as much gaming as um as I used to. And uh most of the gaming that I do is is actually with you or their social experiences. Uh, and i'm I'm okay with that. But as we exited this experience, so we should talk about what it was like to to exit the game, but I really wanted to buy a PlayStation four <laughs> so that I can play this game with you and it's it's that social part of it playing this game with you yeah that's what right. i wanted to do
0: yeah and um so we 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 won like we completed the mission successfully we saved everybody we took down a couple of klingons we got out of there um like so it was a a, a successful mission and that felt amazing we we're all like Woo, yeah <laughs> it was so good
1: we're all waving our hands in the air, oh, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> looking at each other. It was so cool.
0: And and at that moment, I mean, so, right, you said, I think, I think this is why VR changes everything. Because even though I have had experiences in video games, like um, the last episode, I talked a lot about No Man's Sky. For me, yeah. that game is me playing out my so many dreams and so many sci-fi fantasies out in this game. Yet in vr it it's another level of dream and fantasies come true right there was there's nothing that even comes close to that feeling of us successfully completing that mission at the end of uh, of that demo like it was incredible and it was i mean i remember turning my seat over and looking at you guys right and yeah. we're all like wow you know and we're and it, the game kind of ended where you know, like we talked about how the helmsman, like he kept overshooting the warp vectors, but at the end, like he did it <laughs> on his first time, you know, everything yeah. was good. Like it was, it was hectic. Um, it's like, you could feel the pressure and he got it on the first time and we were out and then it kind of fades out as we're warping and we're all cheering. Again, like for somebody who, especially for someone like you, who Star Trek is, is way more than just a TV show, right? It's, it's, is it your favorite TV show?
1: I would say it's my favorite TV show and franchise. I mean, it is, it changed my life, got me excited about science. Um, It's what I credit for nurturing my love of psychology. It's, uh, it's probably the single most important um, story in my life. Yeah.
0: So, and, and you got to play it out, right? And, well, and, and and also,
1: Jose, I got to say, I, you know, I was a huge gamer. Uh, up until college, Mm -hmm. and I played every Star Trek game that's ever come out. With (laughs) the exception of Star Trek Elite Force, those games have almost all sucked. (laughs) There really (laughs) haven't been that many great Star Trek games, and I've played almost all of them. Um, So I, I think the reason for that is a lot of Star Trek games... Focus on the wrong thing, like we've had um, we've had Star Trek games that focus on the combat side, and that's not really what Star Trek's about. And we've had other Star Trek games, like Star Trek. I think it was Star Trek Armada, which was a real time strategy game. That was kind of cool because it kind of captured a little bit of that feeling of the Dominion War and these big fleets going to battle with each other. But that's also not what Star Trek is really about. We haven't had a lot of games that really capture that spirit of working together to solve problems in a, um optimistic way. This game does that. This game captures... The existential experience of Star Trek, which is working together to solve a problem.
0: Now, this game could have existed in many different ways before, but it would be really boring if it was just a screen where you kind of like, I'm going to divert power (laughs) to here and I'm going to move this. It's essentially like switches and knobs, right? Totally. That would be really boring. But the fact that we were almost physically we're moving our hands to touch these things um like my finger my the point of my finger was not touching a screen but i still because i was using a trigger it still i still got some sort of feedback i still felt like i was interacting with the environment and and when i think back on it like i i try to if if i try to explain to people what the game was it doesn't even sound that exciting unless you're a big fan of the show it's like, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, touching a screen. And it's funny because when you watch the show and you're seeing people from the front, right, and you don't see their consoles, they're just kind of swiping and pressing buttons, right, and clicking mm-hmm. switches. and But that turns out to be a lot of fun in VR because VR does change things.
1: Well, it's something that LeVar Burton has said in an interview about, about this game. Uh, he said, when we film... W- We just kind of pretend that something's happening on the console, but nothing (laughs) actually is happening. Um, But when he played this game everything came alive to him in a way that um, never really has when he's filmed the TV show and filmed the movies. And even when we looked at the view screen, the view screen is just a green screen or a blue screen, I think, maybe back in the olden days. Or uh,
0: nothing because the camera is actually, the whole camera or crew is nothing. Back there. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And, it, and here, uh, it was a very different experience. And he talked about how this is like the the. Star Trek experience he's always wanted to have, so there is something <laughs> right, and that's coming from geordie LaForge, yep. uh, the engineer, uh, I guess, after Scotty. <laughs> so what what was interesting to me though is when I lifted the Oculus Rift off of my head, immediately what I did, way is I looked to where you were in the game. And I wasn't just, there, and you weren't there, because <laughs> yeah. the virtual space was different than the physical space.
0: I completely and, forgot that we were sitting in a circle with our backs to each other.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: It was the same thing. It was so jarring to kind of look to my left to where you would have been, and there's there wasn't even another person there. It was just yeah. the whole room was completely different.
1: Yeah, that it was. was... So
0: cool. And you were actually so so. Um, you were actually sitting behind me and to my left. Um, In the real world, but in the game, you were sitting to my left and forward, Mm -hmm. and kind of way farther away than the guy who was playing as the helmsman was actually or the captain was actually sitting. Yeah, it was it was one of those moments, right, where you realize, whoa, this like VR did it, like VR is here, (laughs) and that sense of presence, like all of a sudden we got pulled out of it, and then. It was like one reality and then another reality, right? Your senses are completely um, fooled for a second. And now, now, okay, this is what's really happening.
1: And, And this gets me so excited for the opportunity to play a game that is about cooperation, about listening to each other about a joint exploration, joint rescues, and, yeah, sometimes joint taking on of the Klingons. Uh, so this game is incredibly exciting to me. There's there's going to be a, a campaign mode. Uh, there's going to be a multiplayer co-op mode. Um, they haven't really mentioned too much about the missions or what's, what's going to happen, uh, but I am... Josue, I am really close to pressing the trigger on ordering a PS4. I'm shocked uh, you
0: haven't uh, pre-ordered it yet. Uh, oh.
1: it, it, it's, uh, I'll tell you why. So I posted on Facebook, um, I posted the image of you and I right after we played this game. And I, I wrote, I just played Star Trek VR and I want to live inside of it now. And some of the comments, uh, one of my friend, my friend Ryan said, whatever you say, Barkley, uh, referring to a character in Star Trek who gets addicted to the holodeck. And uh, someone else, uh, Kathleen, said, no, didn't you learn anything from the all those holodeck episodes? (laughs) Uh, So part of me is a little afraid of getting pulled into this um too much because of how exciting it was and then there's also part of me that's you know i kind of want to see the reviews of what this game is like i've been um the last star trek game i got very excited about which was just called star trek it was a game also set in the kelvin timeline and was supposed to bridge the gap between star trek and star trek into darkness when i bought that game i pre-ordered it before it even came out and played on my xbox 360 and that game was horrid it was unfinished glitchy um just but that's another but that's nightmare. another thing
0: right like that's it's another game it's from the company like no totally, and that can totally. happen with anything right i mean it is a big investment so you have to kind of think about what kind of you know how much is 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 this type of experience worth to you right like uh um, Quark and is m- haggling, right, for, for some holodeck time here, right? Like, how much is it going to
1: cost? So, well, and uh, how much does it cost? So if someone wanted to play this, yep. what are they basically spending?
0: Uh, so it's $300 for a PS4 or more. You could buy a $400 version, PS4, or a $300 version. And then the PSVR comes in a $400 and a $500 um, set, um, so five hundred dollars comes with hand controllers, so you would need that really to play this game. So it would be uh, you're looking at eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred dollars, yep, just plus for the, the cost hardware. Of the game.
1: So let's say the game's like fifty, give or take. Mm-hmm. So you're spending close to nine hundred uh, if you don't have any of the hardware right now. Yep. Now a lot of people have PlayStation fours. A lot so of people, might, yeah, <laughs> they might be spending less, but you can also play this on PC.
0: Yeah. So then it costs more. <laughs> like Because like we just said, your computer doesn't... Um, you don't have a computer that runs it. Most people don't. And then the VR headsets, uh, like the Oculus and the HTC Vive, cost uh, way more than the PSVR. They cost 600 and $800. Plus, that's not counting the... Yeah, that's six hundred dollars for the Oculus without the motion controllers. But that's like that's today, right? Those prices will change over time, and 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 you know, it's an it's it's a, it's that's a discussion for another time, right? I mean, it's a lot of money, and um, unfortunately, actually, this gets into a few things. So, so if you buy it, right, or I'm sorry, when you buy it,
1: right?
0: <laughs> um, the truth Fear is that <laughs> you'll play at your house and I'll play at mine, and we'll play online. Yeah. So we won't be in the phys- physically in the same place as we were there. Do you think that that is kind of a limitation of um, like it is? It is a imagine if it's nine hundred dollars for every person to play. If two of us lived in the same house, we'd have to pay that times two to be able sure. to play in the same location, um, the same game, right? Yeah. Um, so a home, how many homes will have multiple? VR, VR setups, right? Very few, very, yeah. very few. But, but if you're, you know, someone who plays online, you have a lot of friends online, you're good, right? So you know you can play with me, right? And I'm sure I can find a third person <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and a fourth person, right? And we're, we're good. We have missions. We could play with random people online. It'll be a good time, right? But we won't physically be in the same place. And I feel, I feel like that's um, not that big of a deal, because I think we'll we'll have pretty much the same experience um, as far as the game is concerned. But I wanted to know if you think, like coming at it from, from after this experience, do you think that that's a limitation of VR?
1: I don't think so. I, I actually think it's... Uh... It's something that VR is going to be extending upon how people play games right now. So um, a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Fitzgerald, another psychologist. um, Who looks a lot
0: like Patrick O'Connor, who was on here two weeks ago.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, They're both brothers from another mother um, or twinsies from another mother. I don't know if that's a term. It is now. One of the things that he tells me is uh, every Tuesday night, him and his friends carve out a couple hours. And these are friends that, from college who don't get to see each other that often. And they spend about two hours online playing a game together. And what it really is, is they're playing a game, but it's really an opportunity to catch up hang and, and hang out. And because I've talked to him a lot about, you know, I want to get back into gaming, but I'm really afraid of the time commitment and um, and how I in the past sometimes got pulled into this stuff too much. And he says, well, you got to have limitations. But the way I use it is, I use it for for social, mm-hmm. for as a way of reconnecting. So I imagine that the way this is pra- the way Star Trek Bridge Crew is primarily going to be used is an opportunity for you to not only play with your friends, but an opportunity to spend time together in a shared environment that you both enjoy. So uh, I think it's going to be mostly that joint role-playing together. And that sounds so exciting to me, uh, to be able to share a virtual space together. And that's just extending upon how people are playing games right now. You and I did an episode on The Psych Show about um, psychology and video games. And one of the things that you and I both talked about is the function of games, why you're playing them, what's your intention of playing them. Mm -hmm. And you had this beautiful analogy that I love, and maybe you shared this on Headshots before, but this analogy always stuck stuck with me, is are you using the games as a power-up? Are you using them as a way of connecting with other people? Or are you using them as a way of kind of regulating some of your your emotions? Are you using them in a way that's helping you? Or are you using them in a way that's distracting you from the main quest, taking you away from the things that you want to do in your life? And I think the power of this, it can go in many different directions, but I could see a lot of people using this to better connect with people that they're close to.
0: Yeah. And I don't see a big difference in that. Like, I don't think that our friend Matt's um, Tuesday nights are any better or worse because of VR, right? they will be the sure. gaming experiences will be a little different. It's a lot about who you're playing with, right? So if we had, you know, Wednesday night, uh, you know, Star Trek bridge crew date night, and we're just going to play for two hours, you know, it would be awesome, but it would be just as awesome if we were playing, you know uh Street Fighter or something, right? Although that's adversarial, oh, totally. but you know, you know what I mean, right? We're yeah, just playing yeah, a game, totally. catching up, which is something I do um with a lot of people. And I would love to like one of my favorite things about No Man's Sky is that you're constantly discovering new um solar systems and planets uh, cont- c- continuously because it's procedurally generated and there's so many. Um I would love to have a mode in Bridge Crew where we just get together and we're going out there and we're just discovering new planets. Yeah. I you agree. know and I just agree. flying just for a little while and space. talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. I think I think that for for us that would be kind of relaxing and again a chance to catch up. It's like, well, we could go to a noisy bar or something, or we could, you know, just go on bridge group. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and so so I do. I've been thinking a lot about that, about how you know how limiting if if it is a limitation. I mean, it's definitely a, a limitation because of how expensive it is that we won't be able to kind of. Like you just come over and then have multiple virtual reality headsets set up the same way we could just pick up two controllers. That is a problem. But you know, in a connected world and some some not everywhere is as connected, right? Um but you and I have really good internet access. Uh despite being physically very close, right? Uh, <laughs> we could play this game and I think I think it would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the, the only thing I worry about with this game is um the the complexity now from what i've read about it is the more you play the more controls will appear so <laughs> um you know so that that is actually really interesting because the, the task will get more complex and again as you and i talked about on that psych show episode uh flow that absorption that a lot of people feel it's your skill meeting the challenge of the task yep and uh, i could see if this game was just those basic controls it could feel a bit repetitive after time but since the game will become more complex the more you play it so I, i really think where we are right now is with vr is similar to where we were with the launch of the iphone Uh, almost a decade ago, not quite, but almost, where the iPhone was bringing together technology that had been in development uh there were there were touch screens long ago and there was uh, a, a lot of the there were smartphones and all of that but it took the iphone to bring together these things in a way that would work for uh for most consumers and i think the the vr technology here it's been in development for so long but i think we're finally at a place where a lot of consumers, like you were saying, you know, millions more people are now going to have this technology. We're really at the cusp of this. But if you look at where we are with smartphones now, uh, they're so much cheaper. The same technology that was, I think, $600 was the original iPhone when it launched. Now you can get for, you know, a fraction very small fraction of that price so i think vr is only going to grow i think this is the first major consumer product and i think this is going to be the first game this along with a few other games like the the x-wing game that's going to be coming out seems very exciting to me Um, this is the first of many games that i think are really going to sell people not only on entertainment in vr but simulations and applications of vr
0: I don't agree as much on some of those points. I don't think that bridge crew is going to be one of those experiences that is going to be extremely popular. Um, I think that first-person shooters and racing games and flying simulators like will be um, way more popular um, than than something like this. Uh, I think it caters to a very specific <laughs> uh, audience. <clears throat> you and I, um, and but but it's still a very cool example of of, of what's happening. So. So, but I do have a few questions for you. So, how close do you think we are like how much closer does this bring us to the idea of like a holiday?
1: I think it's a first step. you know i I think until we get some of those other sensory experiences, I, I don't think we're gonna be quite there. so one one parallel I, I draw to is um, the ride at Disney called Soren which lifts you up into this large screen that sort of surrounds your complete vision, and it moves you around as if you're air gliding through uh, different environments. But what's cool about it is as you move through those environments, it shoots off these small scents that kind of pull you in further into that experience. That whole idea of presence right, is, is further extended. So I think until we integrate more senses touch and smell and uh taste i guess uh i don't think we're going to be quite there but this is a huge first step into that um holodeck experience
0: uh this is actually a real thing um the south park rpg game has been showing off with something called the nauseous rift (laughs) just something that you put on and it uh has smells while you play wow wow specifically um Farting is a game mechanic in the game, so it's a lot of fart smells. But, you know, Great. it's we're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> but now we're talking about something else like strapped to your head, right? Well, um, but it's definitely the closest we've ever been. And, again, that idea of presence uh, is kind of – is is no different in the holodeck than it would be in the real world because everything you see and touch is – it just feels real, right? It's, it's complete um, – it's an ex- kind of a, a replica or a replacement, and so well, your senses aren't doing anything differently.
1: Well, and something something I wanted to mention is at, at thinking about this. You know, our, our primary sense uh, is vision, so that's that's kind of how we have evolved. We we prioritize uh, vision more than anything else. So VR right now, as it is, it, it does a lot to pull you in. Just having the vision aspect, it's tapping of into.
0: It. The one thing it should be focusing on
1: yeah but i think as vr develops uh, you know I, th- I think about the the blind community as well like bringing in haptic feedback that sensory feedback is going to be able to bring in more people into the vr experience and um it's just going to, not only is it going to increase that presence, but it's also going to increase the accessibility of these different types of experiences to a wider group of people. So we're a little bit away from that, but I don't think we're that far away. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think for me, um, this whole idea, so you and I were able to have shared presence, Mm -hmm. right? And in a holodeck, that's instantaneous, right? Because we're seeing the same thing and there's no difference. And I think these experiences where we're able to have that are going to be really, really cool. and um, But again, it's going to be limited to long-distance connections just because of the price and the hardware. And again, even even when we both had two headsets uh, and we are in the same place, the most we could have done is kind of speak to each other, you know? Sure. And maybe if we would have set up the chairs in a similar way as they were set up in the game, it would have been more immersive. But the microphones and the, and the headphones did the trick i think you know yeah and to confuse us
1: you know so the cost is a limitation here for those people who are going to be able to afford this the physical space can also be a limitation so you and i both live in in new york city where people have very small homes um so a game that is designed for you to be Uh, moving and walking and for you to dedicate a whole room to a VR unit that's well that's that's pretty prohibitive for most New Yorkers most New Yorkers don't have a spare room that you can just set aside for a VR experience so for now I'm okay with this being primarily limited to a networked uh, multiplayer uh, experience that's largely a sit-down experience Um, but In the future, I could see it becoming um, uh, more of a mobile experience, but that'll be a challenge for people like you and me.
0: Yeah, Madame Tussauds here in New York City has a Ghostbusters experience, which is shared VR with an actual physical space that you can reach out and touch. And though the physical space doesn't look like what it does in the VR, it's kind of mapped together. Mm. And it's, it's pretty cool, but it's 50 bucks per person. Warm. And, you know, I mentioned it to you. You were like, that's nah. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah. you know, that's 100 bucks we could put towards... Um, PlayStation VR, exactly. right, or the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, so, so again, it is expensive, but but those opportunities are are kind of out there. I'm 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 actually really excited about these sit down experiences, right? So if I can sit down in a chair and in the game, I'm in a cockpit or something like that. It's it's close enough where I'm I'm good. I don't feel like getting up and moving. Um, I'm okay with the controller. I'm really I am excited about that, even though it's an it's not. Uh, a faithful representation, right? Um, but, so my last question for you is, this is a question that's been on my mind and, and just want to know what your thoughts are. And and this is something that people have, I've, I've heard, you know, there's discussion about this and it is the idea of will people choose to do something in VR versus doing it in real life? So something like this, strangely we cannot get on the aegis and go on a mission and save somebody, right? That's not yeah. a real thing we can do. Yep. But we did have the closest possible approximation to that, which is a replica of a s of a bridge and touch screens and an actual activity, right? Yeah. And the virtual experience was way better. Even though they were both, you know, it's a fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. But so how do, wh- what do you think about this? Cuz I have a lot of thoughts on it. I'm just curious based on what we've what we've experienced just now, how how do you feel that like going in the future and do you think do you think it's something to be concerned about?
1: I think the mo- the most interesting applications and experiences for VR are going to be those types of experiences that we can't quite achieve in the real world. So like being on a star trek bridge but i also think about experiences like uh, that are restricted to certain groups of people so for you and i to be able to explore the international space station probably not going to be able to do that in real life but to be able to experience that in vr would be really great and i could see like a if a young kid gets that experience that maybe that'll spark an interest in science that might lead them down the road to becoming a future astronaut and then similarly for astronauts one of the things that nasa is talking about is using vr to help martian astronauts when they are really bored and tired of and stuck on a small spaceship and stuck on a small spaceship you know, one of the challenges of mission to Mars is those astronauts are not going to have the number one recreational activity that astronauts have right now, which is looking at Earth. They won't be able to look at Earth. And there's not much going on on a Mars surface. So VR is going to be really helpful for those types of experiences. And as you mentioned before, too, I think, and this gets closer to your question, new technology has always been um, innovative by um, adult entertainment. So I think, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go to this to live out certain fantasies that they can't experience uh or are harder to experience in in real life. Am I worried about that? Yeah, I'm I'm worried I think for a select group of people this is going to be a challenge, and again, not to continue to plug my YouTube show. But one of the things you talked, to, you and I talked about on the Psych show is, uh, with with video games, it tends to be people who are also struggling in other areas of their life that use video games as a form of avoidance. And that's similar to substance use. Who ends up struggling with substance use? Well, some people don't. Some people do. And it tends to be people who are struggling in many different areas of their life. I think those types of individuals are going to be vulnerable to getting plugged in to these kind of experiences. Um, But I think that's going to be um, not going to be the majority of people. But it is something I do worry about
0: yeah i'm I'm on the side of i it's a lot cheaper to travel in v r than it is in real life sure and, you know, um not everybody can afford that. It's not the truth, you know I mean, it's not the real thing, but people are gonna be able to have experiences and view different cultures and locations and do things that they they can only again dream about right. And even if they are just uh, replicas of a real thing, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with somebody choosing to visit the virtual pyramids um, brought to you by the History Channel, right? And and, they're, and and they tell you that it's the most authentic VR version of the pyramids, of the Great Pyramid in, in, in Egypt, you know? And you're like, okay, cool. Um, I don't see a problem with that versus choosing to go there necessarily because... It is prohibitive. There are a lot of things that are prohibitive. Yeah. The, the yeah. International Space Station example is a, is perfect. Um, there's a Wired article, which I will link to, which talks about the experience of astronauts looking at Earth from the outside and how that creates a sense of empathy that very few people have been able to experience. You know, empathy toward the world, toward the planet, yeah. toward everyone. Yeah. Um, and how there's a group of people trying to to recreate that experience from beginning to end in a virtual way so that people can can share that experience you know can, they can do it because not everybody can and so i'm I'm actually happy about the opportunities that it provides and yeah, there's always opportunity for people you know for um addiction or avoidance in anything you know, and I think that this is something that that i I truly believe that um if the world uh, if the real world can't keep up right with the kind of the, the the virtual world if the virtual world is so much better than the real world then i think we have a problem you know i think that there are opportunities sure. for the real world to kind of step up its game in many areas and that could be something in this context it could be something like why is everything so prohibitive you know and i mean In the world of Star Trek, this kind of thing wouldn't happen, right? We have technology to bypass many of those problems, but the world that we live in right now isn't there.
1: This is something you and I talked about in the the psych tech episode about Star Trek and technology or (laughs) (laughs) technology. But the great promise here of VR is ability to create experiences that are really going to help you to understand other people. And like, imagine a VR experience that puts you in the head of someone who is from a very different background and experience than you are, and for you to live a day in their life and to experience things the way they do. I mean, talk about an opportunity for increasing empathy on this planet. And yeah, yeah, the technology is cost prohibitive for people. Right now, for certain people, right now, but that's only going to change in the future. That's only going to improve. Um, I think the the potential for a positive influence uh, from this technology far exceeds the potential for uh, for negative consequences. And again, technology is sort of uh, it's not good or bad. It's it's how we use it. And there are some massive potential benefits that this will have for our ability to understand each other, which right now, Hoseway, we could use a lot more of that.
0: Yeah. And and this experience, um, the, the bridge crew experience specifically, again, it was my first cooperative shared experience. And the idea of shared presence has kind of removed any any worry that I had about the technology being too isolating or removing people from reality entirely because we're still going to be able to share that with people, even in a virtual sense, mm-hmm. just like, you know, Ready Player One and, and, and so many other examples that, that, we've, that we've talked about and that we know about. Um, it's true. It's possible. At first, you know, for a while I thought, mm, how is that really going to be? But we did it, man. You and I, <laughs> we, we, we successfully completed that mission. We piloted um, a starship and it was great. And and I think we're better off for it, right? Because we had this amazing experience that we couldn't have otherwise. So I am super excited. Um, Holodeck 1.0, I'm ready to call VR. You know, we are really, really, it's so, so there's so much, so much potential. And I cannot wait for in a couple of weeks to finally get, again, like I'm getting a PSVR. Um, right now, I've that's the route I chose instead of, Uh, buying a, I only have a laptop, so I'd have to like buy a desktop or buy a really, really good laptop and buy, I would probably want the Vive instead of the Oculus and that one's more expensive, you know, so I'm going with PSVR and a few weeks, I hope you'll join me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably play yours first to get a sense. Oh, of course. I mean, if you're on the fence, I'm definitely going to um, have you play mine to kind of put you over the edge. And uh-huh. and maybe and maybe in the future we'll 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 talk more about um, our hopefully shared VR experiences. So that's it for this week of uh, headshots. Uh, this week's episode of headshots. Ali, where can people find you and? Your YouTube show that you keep mentioning over and over again on my show.
1: <laughs> if you go to thepsychshow.com, that's the shortcut that'll get you to my YouTube channel. And uh, that's where you can find that video game episode that you and I were on. I'm also on Twitter at Alimattu, A-L-I-M-A-T-T-U. And you can also go to com, where um, I've got a lot of uh, Star Trek content from this past week, including... Um, uh, some psychological analysis of Star Trek beyond, as well as a article I wrote about um, the 50th anniversary of Star Trek and what it all means.
0: And I will put links to all of the other podcast episodes that we did, Star Trek related, um, on geek therapy and psych tech uh, in the show notes. And for more uh, headshots, go to headshotspodcast.com or at headshotscast on Twitter. I'm Josue Cardona, at Josue A. Cardona on Twitter. And we'll be back in two weeks.
1: Thanks for having me, Josue. Um, I think that that covers all the Josue Cardona
0: podcasts. Uh, So far, yeah. (laughs) Live long and prosper, my friend.